Welcome to All Access Network Podcast. So excited to have you here with us today. We are on a mission to positively impact culture through stories, sports, and serving. We strive to positively change lives for the better, to expose people to stories and situations so that they can relate and know that they're not alone. We love to be able to connect people to people that they may aspire to be similar to, people that they want to know more about, and people that they want to get access to. Uh, and not just people that are always celebrated. We like to celebrate some of the people that are behind the scenes, the unsung heroes, uh, there's so many people doing great things out here in this world. We want to make sure we shine a light as best we can. So. We are excited to empower you through these stories, through these sports, through these situations. And thanks so much for joining us. You can subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. You can also subscribe on YouTube at All Access Network. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter as well. Please share, like, subscribe, and then share, like, subscribe again. Share with a friend, share with a family member, share with another colleague. Uh, within All Access Network, we believe we have something for everyone. We have sports at all levels. Uh, we're continuing to expand to add new and different uh, shows and topics and um, just a different variety of things that can impact you in a positive way. So we look forward to adding those things. Thank you so much for joining us. I think you will definitely enjoy today. I want to take time to acknowledge one of our partners, Rising Coaches. Every coach wants to rise in their career in one way or another. We're all looking for professional development, access to tools, and relationships that can help us grow and help us advance in our career. Rising Coaches provides just that. You can visit Rising Coaches at www.risingcoaches.com. Their memberships are just $10 a month and provides a genuine community to help you grow and advance in your career. All Access Network, you're here. Uh, we always say thanks. We have so much gratitude for you guys being a part of this experience. We have several different opportunities within the network for you to connect. We have uh, things within basketball at all levels of sport right now, uh, from high school to college to junior college to specific conferences. Uh, we have some new developments coming soon. We look forward to sharing those with you. We also have uh, we're starting to build part of the network where we can even connect the female population more to uh, some of the things we'll have. So today we are diving into Women's Empowerment Week. It is Women's Empowerment Week. It is the beginning. We will go all five days in a row of just um, being empowered by women, uh, women that have accomplished things in their career professionally, some that are still in school, some that just finished school. Uh, we'll kind of touch all landscapes uh, for the start of the new year. So excited to have you with us on this Women's Empowerment Week. We This series will be a part of uh, Coach's Corner. They are not all coaches, but uh, that is a part of the series that it'll be a part of. And look from for, excuse me, the spinoff from this Women's Empowerment Series to come soon, led by uh, our director, 
of operations, our public relations director, our Jill of all trades, our executive producer, my cousin, Miss Anitra Burton. So look forward to that. She has some exciting things coming here soon. But in the meantime, today's episode, you will definitely love in this entire series. So thanks so much again, All Access Network. Today, we sit down with Kim Hampton. So excited to bring you the Louisville, Kentucky product. Um, A friend of mine, a teammate with the Rising Coaches DEI Alliance. Uh, She describes herself as an honest person who really wants the best for people. She could grab the rim with two hands as a freshman at six foot with a six five wingspan. She's a pioneer. She's on one of the first, one of the first women to be drafted uh, in the WNBA. She was picked number four in the draft. She was in the first WNBA All-Star game. She played for the New York Liberty. Uh, she is a model, an actress, a singer, an entertainer, a mother. Uh, she wears so many hats. She scored over 2,300 points at Arizona State and 1,400 rebounds. She is the all-time uh, leading scorer and rebounder, male or female, in the history of Arizona State, including uh, people like James Harden. Uh, so many things I can say great about Kim Hampton. Can't wait for you guys to get a chance to meet this amazing, uh, not only athlete, but also person. Uh, again, a pioneer, someone who helped pave the way for the WNBA to get started. And uh, just, again, so excited to sit down with her and have you guys have a chance to get to know uh, just such an inspirational person, inspirational story, and just such a kind-hearted, spirited person who only wants the best for people. What up? Welcome to another episode of uh, Coach's Corner Podcast. I got a teammate of mine uh, with the Rising Coaches DEI Alliance, Miss Kim Hampton. Welcome, Kim. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you? And thanks for having me. Yeah, doing fabulous. Happy New Year! And it's New Year's Eve, so we're just kind of kicking it. We got the we got the uh, the light still going from Christmas for you today. Um, so yeah, we just came to have a little fun, tell your story, and uh, share your journey a little bit. So let's start out by just saying who is Kim Hampton. Now, I am going to enlarge the screen, so don't get scared. When I put it just you solo style. I know you're used to being on the stage, but I'm gonna hit this button. Don't 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 get uh don't get shy on me. But who is okay. Kim Hampton? Wow, um, wow, Kim Hampton um is a a girl, a woman, a mom who is constantly evolving. Um, it started out as this young shy girl uh, growing up in Louisville, Kentucky, who was always taller than everyone and. Uh, you know, I think I had pretty much the same face and I was just always bigger than everyone. And I couldn't understand it until I started playing organized sports, which was my freshman year of high school. And then I started to understand the benefits of having some height, the benefits of having some extra length to the arms or just being off, you know, incredibly gifted athletically, um, you know, and then my life started to evolve. I never dreamed or fathomed I would, you know, that basketball would take me as far as it did, because when I was in high school, the only sport 
the only sports that you saw on television for women was tennis and golf. So, um, you know, basketball was kind of like a guy's sport and, you know, just getting the opportunity to go to college and getting the opportunity to graduate from college, go to college for free, as a matter of fact, and then graduate from college. And then all the travels professionally was just a dream come true. And then even afterwards, uh, being associated with the league, the WNBA, uh, it just kind of helped me grow and evolve a little bit more into who I'm becoming. And I just realized that, you know, life is about evolution. I mean, you, the things that were important to me back in college and high school, I mean, I don't even think about now, but, um, you know, I'm just enjoying the ride. I, I no longer play. That was um, that was something to, to get over and, um, you know, becoming a mom late in the game, um, you know, and then just constantly trying to reinvent myself and, and do some of the things that I wanted to do as a kid. So, I mean, I, I feel like I wear a lot of different hats, but if I just had to say, I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm a person that is, I'm an honest person that really wants the best. I'm an optimistic person and I really want the best for everyone. And, um, you know, to me, that's, those, those things are important. I can't hear you. I know that's my fault. I was so excited. <laughs> I wanted to make sure I didn't get in the way. I said, uh, no, that I, I, I was great. I'm, I'm getting to know you more and more, but uh, all those things you said are 100% on point from what I know, and there's a whole bunch more, so we're going to get to it. But tell us about the journey playing. Tell us about, you said you started playing kind of later in your career, uh, ninth grade, and then you kind of realized there's a gift and talent, and God kind of blessed you with some enormous ability to do this thing called basketball, and then you went on to college and had a great career, and then you went on to the WNBA and had a great career. So talk a little bit about the basketball journey uh, itself. Yeah. Um, well, as a freshman, I didn't even want to play basketball, but one of my good friends uh, kept begging me to play basketball. She's like, come on, Kim, we need somebody big to get rebounds. You know, I'm like, what? You know, my brother said, yeah, maybe you should. And the high school coach was asking me every day, you know, are you going to try out for the basketball team? And so one day I just said, okay, yeah, I think it was about three or four days before the actual tryouts. And I said, yes, I would. And, you know, who would have known that that would have completely changed the trajectory of my life. Uh, um, I really had to start from scratch, you know, just learning what three seconds was, learning the rules of the game, how to dribble, how to shoot. But my coach, the blessing was my coach was a left-hander and I'm left-handed. Uh, and he was a, he was a, he was a guard. So he was a jump shooter. So I was able to pick up uh, the shot very quickly. And because I was athlete, I was so athletic. I could grab the rim with two hands as a freshman in high school. And I was the quickest person on the team. And, you know, six feet, you know, with a six, six, five wingspan. And, you know, I mean, it was just crazy. Um, so fast forwarding to my senior year, I was the top basketball player in the state of Kentucky. Cause you know, again, I'm from Louisville, Kentucky. And um, I ended up you know, a win in the state championship in the shot put three of my four years of, of high school. Um, and then just trying to decide where I wanted to go to school. And the crazy thing was, you know, we have the University of Louisville and the University of Kentucky, but I just knew I wanted to do something different. I wanted to go away and see things. So I'm looking at letters. I mean, you know, the letters that are coming in from everywhere, the Old Dominion, uh, Tennessee. I was getting a letter from Tennessee every day. And UCLA, USC. I wanted to just go somewhere far. I was leaving like court and, you know, the University of Hawaii and um, and women's basketball wasn't big during that time. So we didn't see it on television. And I didn't know what school to go to. I didn't 
you know, know our art. And we didn't have the internet. So it wasn't like I could, you know, okay, look it up and say, okay, what do I want to study? What do I want to do? Um, right, you know, right. I, yeah, I'm, I'm relying on the information, you know, and the brochures and things that coaches are sending. But a lot of it was the calls, um, just getting to know the coaches that they were called. And I'm telling you, my my parents, once they knew I wasn't going to stay home, they were like, my father was like, listen, you're going to have to ever make a decision because coaches were calling from seven to 11, you know, being, mm-hmm. you know, days. So it was, it was just kind of crazy. Um, so I decided that I was going to go to Arizona State University and I don't even know why I chose that. But, you know, they always say that nothing happens by chance. And it was a true blessing that I went there because my college coach, it was Julene Brzezinski Simpson, and she was the co-captain on the 76 Olympic team with Pat Head Summit. Um, and so I got an opportunity. It's so funny. I didn't go to Tennessee, but I got an opportunity to play with someone like her. And I learned so much. I mean, I learned about just mental toughness through her. You know, I mean, it was hard. I wanted to leave two times because it was oh, that hard. And oh, back yeah. in the day. I'm sure you've heard stories like about, you know, the tough coaches like Coach Summit, you know, and all of those coaches, because they used to be able to get away with all kinds of stuff that wouldn't, you wouldn't even be, began to be able to get away with. Right. You know, it wasn't like they uh, abused us physically, but they were just able to push us a lot more, you know, and stuff like that. So um, I'm glad I stuck it out because, you know, I learned lessons like when, when you think you've given your all, um, when you think you have nothing left, you know, and you're crying and you're down, there's always more. You know, it's kind of like the coach tells you, you know, you have to run 10 suicides, you know, and, that, uh, and then they'll say, OK, you have one more. And they're like, I can't I can't do it. And they say, and if somebody showed up and said, I give you a million dollars, I guarantee you everybody on that team will find it within themselves, you know, to run that extra. Yep. Yep. So. Um, you know, and and just pushing through that persevering, you know, through all of that, you know, it, it just helped me. I'm I'm still to this day, after over 30 years, the all-time leading scorer and rebounder, male or female in the history of Arizona State. I scored over Great. 23, yeah, over 2,300 points and over 1,400 rebounds. And um, but when I graduated from college, there was no professional basketball in America for women. So. I knew that I was going to go uh, abroad and play because I got an opportunity to represent the USA, um, you know, and so I, you know, I knew that that option was there and that's what I wanted to do because I love traveling. So um, um, I saw, I was one of the Wade Trophy, the Margaret Wade Trophy finalists my senior year. Um, and for those of you that don't know what that is, the Margaret Wade Trophy is the equivalent of the Heisman Trophy, but it's for women's basketball. Mm. So, I didn't win it that year, um, but I was in the room of the top 50 players in the nation. And um, and I got a chance to meet an agent, Bruce Levy, who was placing players overseas. And so that's how I started playing overseas. My first six years, I actually played in Spain. And, um, and then I went from there, I went and played in Italy. Um, and then from there, uh, I played a season in Japan and I also got a chance to play in France. And then they started the ABL and I was approached by... Um, you know, some of the people that were starting ABL and, and I called my agent. I was like, listen, they're starting a league in America, you know, and it's going to start right after the Olympics. You know, he's like, no, 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 don't sign anything. Don't. And I was like, well, why? I was like, I can make six figures and I can play both seasons. You know, and he's like, no, he's like, you got to keep this under your hat. The NBA is going to start a league and it's going to start the following season. I said, are you sure? He was like, yeah, I'm sure. So he's like, don't sign. So we were like, okay. So that's why you had half of the Olympic team went to the ABL and half of the wow. other half because we knew that the NBA was going to start something and it was going to be way bigger, you know, and all of that. 
So um, just being a part, you know, just just sticking it out. I, and when the when the WNBA started, I was 35, you're in turn 36. And just being a part or just playing that long and being a part of the start, like me and Lisa Leslie, you know, tipping off the first jump ball of the WNBA game of, of you know, yeah, and two points, yeah, for, for the New York Liberty and the history of the game. That was just amazing. You know, I mean, it was... It was just amazing to know that now I have a 16-year-old daughter who's an amazing player, student athlete in, in high school. She's a junior in high school. Just knowing that, um, you know, I could be a part of of her history that she knows that her mom was a part of uh, WNBA history. I mean, for me, that is huge as well. And just to mentor the girls around all of that. So, you know, and then so I've gotten a chance to do so many other things, you know, because of that. So basketball, I mean, it's, it's done so many things in my life that, that, you know, that's why I always say when I'm a motivational speaker as well, and I always say that sports and athletics is more than just a game, you know, they, I mean, it is transformative in your life. I mean, the good, the bad, the ugly people get injuries. I mean, there's so many lessons in life through it all that, that just helps you to become a better person or you seek to find that silver lining. So, you know, it's just been an amazing ride. I love it. I love the, I love it. I love the part two where you talked about your daughter. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about her in a little bit. We'll talk about the, the transition from post-basketball. You talked about basketball and how it can be transformative, and you're not doing so many things. You touched on motivation speaking. I mentioned rising coaches, DEI Alliance Vice President for Women's Basketball, entertaining, modeling, singing. Uh, there's so many things. You're still involved with the Liberty, doing some things with WNBA. So just talk about how hard the transition is and maybe for everybody, it's a little bit different. But, you know, as a person who's played since you were ninth grade and you go all the way to, to that point, talk about that. Yeah. So I'm from the ninth grade. That was 13. Get, well, we'll just say 14 um, to 38. I stopped playing when I was 38. Yeah. that You know, that was just crazy. And it was and it was difficult because I was going to retire um, in ninety nine. But I had a surgery, a scope on my knee, but I, and I recovered so fast that, and I was back in about six weeks, and I felt so good. My teammates talked me into try, talked me into playing another season because we had lost two championships to Houston. They're like, "Come on, you, go ahead, let's just go one more time, one more time." And I was like, "Well, okay, I feel good, okay." And so I did it. But three days into training camp, I just had to, you know, my I came into training camp on that third day, and my knee was just swollen big time, you know? And so I sat out for seven days. We were doing therapy, all types of treatment and it didn't go down. So I had to go and have another scope. It was kind of like an exploratory um, surgery just to find out what was going on. And that's when they saw that I had severely worn cartilage behind my kneecap. And so the doctor was kind of like, you know, Kim, you know, you're, you're 38, you're going to be 39. Like how much longer are you going to play? He said, I can have you back in six or seven weeks, you know, but the same thing is going to happen because a WNBA season is like a regular eight month season thrown into about four months, you know? And so, um, it was, it, it was just hard. I, I had to make that decision. And so I was like, gosh, I have to stop playing now. And when I tell you it was the hardest 
the hardest thing that I think I ever had to do because now, mind you, the WNBA, I mean, we were, we were A-listers. I mean, we had celebrities reaching out to us. I mean, we, it was just amazing. So you're going to, you're going from being an A-lister to now you kind of feel like, God, an average person, you know? And, and I don't, I mean, and I don't mean that in a bad way or, or anything, but it's hard pill to swallow. And plus the fact that so many of players in my age group, my range, uh, we had already graduated from college and we had been playing. I played 12. Uh, I think the WNBA started in the 11th season of my career or 12th, 12th year or something like that. So we didn't get an opportunity to build those relationships and to, you know, to have those um those work opportunities in America, like maybe some of the college players coming out. So we were completely detached from what was going on in America. So I, you know, it was like your days were planned. I always say that as athletes, and if you're playing, your days are planned, you know, exactly what you're doing. You always have somewhere to be. There's practice, the bus leaves at this time. We have meetings, we have whatever. Here I am, you know, I just had a surgery. So all I had to do was just go to the hospital, get my treatment and my therapy, but the rest of the day was mine. So what was I going to do? I didn't, you know, I felt isolated because all of the girls were busy. They were traveling and it was, oh my goodness, it was hard. It was completely hard. So I I always say that I I feel like I was a, a functioning depressed person smiling and no one would have ever known, but I just felt shell shocked. Like, what am I going to do with my life? So it was, it was, it was very, 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 very difficult. And I'm still figuring things out. I'm still, and, and it's one thing, and this is another thing that you have to understand that was made it so tough. So as being in the league and the league sending you out to, um, do appearances or to speak to schools or contacting uh, organizations and schools on your behalf and they're sending you out is one thing and you feel confident because you know they're backing you but when you have to start soliciting these speaking engagements and other opportunities these you know yourself it's kind of like whoa and I no longer play and all of this stuff starts to sink into your head you're like wow do they still want me I mean so it was you know, it's just, oh, it was, it was, it is, and it was tough. And so that's why I always say, if I get an opportunity to speak to current players, I always talk to them about making sure you know what you want to do to start building relationships. Maybe uh, if you're not playing overseas or you don't want to, or just at some point that you would get an opportunity to maybe intern for a company, but building relationships so that your transition out of the sport can be a smooth one. Yeah. And, and not on the same scale, but for college athletes, they still play majority of their life, but you add another eight to 10 to 12 to 15 years of a pro career. I mean, you played mm-hmm. since you're in ninth grade. And so much of your identity and how people see you as, oh, that's a basketball player. And you get mm-hmm. used to so many people cheering for you. Like you said, you're used to that routine, that schedule. You're used to having teammates. I think that's a big part to kind mm-hmm. of break away from. Uh, so all those things really challenging. So let's talk about parenting now. Now you are a, we are, you are a mother. Uh, I have three daughters, two daughters myself, one on the way. And uh, definitely love the idea of them being able to learn about your story and people like you who could have so much success, but also care about people. 
still have humility, still are kind to others, still. Uh, so yeah, you're, you're a role model. I know you know that, but uh, I'm saying that now, and when you instill things in your own daughter, what has that process been like? Not only as a uh, former athlete and you're helping her athletically, but just in life period as, as empowering as you want to be to empower her in this new generation almost of um, women's empowerment that is far different than when you came up, like you said. So talk a little bit about the mom role and then touch a little bit on women's empowerment. And I'll ask you one more about that after. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, it's different. It's really different. Um, the things that the kids focus on, what's important to them. Um, of course, as an adult, I'm kind of looking like, okay, why now? Why do I have to buy you some McQueen? Why? Why are we talking about you wanting McQueens <laughs> or or a goose or a goose knuckles or whatever? The heck? I, I can't even name some of the stuff you know that 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 these kids ask for, but. And and then you have the whole social media thing. And my whole plot or plight, shall I say, with her is to help her to understand that your value, your esteem, uh, your self-worth, it shouldn't be attached to the opinions of people on social media. It shouldn't be attached to what you're wearing or the latest, having the latest gadgets or wearing the, the, the latest sneakers and things like that, because some kids lose their soul in all of this. They feel like they're, you know, a zero if they don't have this stuff. And so I, you know, I've never been the one to go out and to, to buy that stuff. And, and, I don't, you know, and like I said, because we we grew up middle class. I mean, we always got bikes for Christmas and, and things. We never wanted for anything, but our parents weren't going to go out and, and buy some crazy stuff that, that we may have asked for if it just didn't make sense. You know, they were practical as well. And so I don't, so I really want to instill that in her that, you know, there's so many other things that you can do. Why don't you save your money? And I always talk to her about, you know, if if you got money for your birthday and she's a Fourth of July baby, if you if you got money on your birthday, save it for something. That's the New York here. Uh, save it for something. That, <laughs> save it for something that's important, something that you want and you really, really want. Like she bought these Balenciaga shoes. They were five and some chains, and they light up and do all of this stuff. And I'm like. They look like a big, they, they look so ugly. Like I said, if they didn't have the name Balenciaga on those, if they you had PFIs, you wouldn't have wanted those. And I'm just yeah. saying, what? Look at that. But I'm just saying because of that name brand. So it's, it's, it's kind of tough. Uh, and then also <clears throat> getting her again, like I said, she's a, she's a great student athlete. I mean, she, she can go and, trying to get her to understand the importance of stretching, the importance of uh, nutritionally taking care of your body, the importance of doing things right the first time, the importance of, you know, so much because kids, I mean, and I mean, it's normal. We didn't want to work when we were kids either, but just you have a mom that went so far and played. So I should have something that resonates with you. You would think, no, she's just like, 
mom, why does everything have to be a lecture? And all of her friends are like, shut up, you're mean. What are you saying, Miss Kim? You know, and they're ready to eat it up. But, you know, I guess when you grow up sitting courtside at games, you know, ever since you were a baby and you have all of these aunts, you know, aunts, you know, and the, uh, the play in the WNBA and the NBA, then I guess it's, you know, have a tendency to take things for granted. So it's it, it's challenging, shall I say. It's, it's definitely too, I think, for parents and um, I've found this on the other side as a coach, where it's not so much the message, it's the messenger, right? Mm. So it's not even so much the parent can say the same thing, and they would get to a point when they would call and be like, Coach, can you just tell them this, this, and this? Because if it comes from you, then they'll listen. So it's right. just kind of unfortunate, but as parents, you kind of always, the kid always wants to drown out, oh, that's his mom talking. Oh, here mom goes, oh, here dad goes again. And I'm sure my girls, I, I hope not, but I'm sure they're going to be the exact same way. So I'm already having to figure out, I'm already having to figure out, grandma, can you tell her this? Can we, let's, let's be a village here and raise this child? Because it definitely takes, uh, it definitely takes that. Uh, I'm curious before we go to the next half of kind of what we're doing here, if you can tell us a funny story anywhere along the way, whether it's playing, parenting, normally parenting has funny coaches, but I mean, funny stories, but you may have something from when you were a kid or from when you played or whatever it may be. So share us one quick funny story before we get to the rest. Okay. Um, and I know you got a bunch and it has to be air appropriate. Of course. <laughs> All right. Let me whisper this to you because she might. <laughs> Um, no, when we were kids, we were pretty mischievous, uh, in school. And I remember, uh, this is what, you know, I remember my science class in particular, um, our science teacher, um, got cancer. And so he missed a lot of school. And so we went through this barrage of, of, of substitute teachers. And so we got this one substitute teacher that was really mean. He was really strict and he carried himself in a really dignified elitist way. And, and <laughs> we could not stand him. I mean, he made us work. He made us do all of this. I mean, the school, we were just like, Oh my goodness. So one day me and probably about three other kids, we decided we were going to put a tack in his chair. So we put a tack in his chair and, you know, he was talking and writing something on the board and everything. And then he came and he put his foot in the chair and leaned on his knee. So his, the, the tack, you know, he stepped on the tack and he, you know, didn't know it. And so we were like, darn. So the next day, you know, we decided, okay, we're going to put two in just in case he does the same thing. <laughs> oh. So we put one on one side and one on the other side, right? <laughs> so he sat down this particular day and he sat on both of them. And as soon as he sat down and hit him, he done like his and then he got up and we were all just did everything <laughs> losing it. And he said, you know, when you look up, you always see a guilty crowd. <laughs> 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 yeah, we're pretty bad. We used to throw our science books out the window and, you know, when the teacher would pass out the books, we'd be like, well, we don't have a book, so we can't read, you know, and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we were bad, you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I love it. So it's, it's funny now as parents, because it's, I find myself, my daughter's three, my oldest. 
she, okay. She does. She doesn't act like she's twelve in the sense of like thinking she's grown, but she's her thinking is way far past three, right? So okay. she's almost four, but she's a sharp kid and she's a problem solver. So when I see her doing stuff, whether it's jumping on the couch or hey, so like the new thing now is so we're at my mom's house and she's staying in the room with my youngest daughter, who's a year and a half. So now they're getting close like where they're friends and they're they're best friends and they hang out they want to play so instead of staying asleep my wife's like hey stay asleep so when you wake up just come straight in our room don't wake up your sister well she wakes up her sister and then now they're trying to roam through the house and play and then we hear something happen I'm so it's, it's like <laughs> exactly you hear the tv on downstairs like wait a minute so instead of getting mad or getting frustrated it's like I mean, I probably did some stuff like that too. So I'm sure you probably can relate with as you're raising your daughter. Um, um yeah. Well, I, I stopped I stopped at one. I mean, I had her so late, but I stopped at one, but I could only imagine what that's like. <laughs> so oh yeah. Yeah. And I, and we got one more. So I'm gonna have many many more stories for you. Um so so <laughs> if we talk about kind of women's empowerment, we have a new uh vice president, our first female vice president who happens to be a minority. Uh, we have just last night, actually, Becky Hammond uh, was the first, uh, from what from what they say, first situational head coach in a game because Popovich got kicked out um, or whatever happened with Popovich. You know, we have the first NFL assistant coach as a female. She's in the Super Bowl last year with the 49ers. We have these this kind of movement of of a new charge for women. So. I think just kind of not so much only for your daughter, but in general, what is your thoughts kind of of this kind of movement and this, this era of women's empowerment and how do you hope to see it continue to evolve? Yeah, I feel extremely proud as a woman. Um, it's, it's not that women couldn't do it, but I feel proud of our nation. I feel that it, it's finally time that people look at the injustices, look at the, um, uh, what do you call it? The disparity that that has gone on for not only women, but people of color and everything. So I'm, I feel really proud that, that organizations are giving people, and especially women, people of color, people the opportunity to shine in who they are. I mean, you, you can find talent, everywhere in every race of people, every color of people and, and, and why not women? You know, you have, when I listen, listen to this stat back in 1974, uh, back in 1974, um, 90% are, are head coaching, the head coaching jobs, uh, in the NCAA, um, I think women had 90% of those jobs. And then in, what was it? 2019, only 42%, you know, are, are headed up by women. And so that means all of these men that have had, you know, all these opportunities, all of these years to coach now they've taken over the women's game. I mean, you look in the WNBA, the main coaches there are, you look in the NCAA and it's just crazy how, you know, the people that, and it's so true, the people that hire people, the people that get these jobs and these positions like the ADs and the presidents, and they get a chance to hire, hire, you know, people, they hire people that look like them. And so 
you know, I just feel really proud that that we are making a conscious effort as a people to really see people for who they are, bar color, bar sex, everything. So I, I feel so proud, uh, and and especially because Becky Hammond was my teammate, you know. So I really. Right proud of her. And then you have my other teammate, Teresa Weatherspoon, who is now an assistant coach with the Pelicans. And and so I just, I feel completely proud of just the opportunities we are finally getting as women and people of color. Right. You may be getting that call next. Hmm? You talked about your teammates. You may be getting that call next. You're going to jump into the coaching thing? What do you think? Oh, no. I'm nah. never... <laughs> oh, no. That's not, everybody has a different call. So, Part of your impact in coaching, though, let's talk about rising coaches. Let's talk about empowerment. Let's talk about diversity. So the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Alliance, and you are the Mm -hmm. vice president of women's basketball. Uh, I happen to be the vice president of men's basketball, so I get asked the questions all the time. Well, what is it? What do you guys do? Uh, More so than what is it, what made you want to join rising coaches in this uh, DEI alliance and, and take this role for women's basketball, and what do you hope to accomplish there? Well, the executive director, Daryl Jacobs, twisted my arm and made me know. <laughs> no, um, but he um, he reached out to me and, and, and um, asked if I would be interested in that position. Uh, China, um, excuse me, China Jude, um, she reached out to him and I and, and thought that I might be a good candidate for the position. And I thought about it and I tossed it and turned it because I felt like at first, gosh, what, what can I bring to the table? I really have only had one opportunity to coach. And that's what really solidified the the fact that I don't want to coach. <laughs> but, yeah, right. You were smart. <laughs> no. So I, I just I felt like a fish out of water. I kind of felt like, well, what are these coaches going to feel like? I don't know. So anyway, I said, Kim, it's an opportunity to grow. It's an opportunity to uh, to advance your skill set in, in, in a different area. So I said, okay, um, I'll do it. But what this organization sets out to do um, is to bring awareness of the disparities. And, and and first of all, the Rising Coaches, I mean, it has over, what, 1,300 members now or something right. like that? Right. And the, which, who are predominantly white, correct? I believe that is correct. Yes, that is correct. And so... I think a part of the change that Rising Coaches is trying to make, it starts with information. It starts with awareness. And so, I, I you know, shout out to Rising Coaches and Adam Gordon and, and, and all of them there that they at least see that, listen, we have this platform. This is a major platform here, over 1,300 coaches. We can have some impact. And, and so that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to bring awareness. They're trying to let coaches um like white coaches understand what it's been like for coaches of coaches of color who have never gotten certain opportunities that are just normal for them. So that's what we're doing. We're trying to create initiatives to help better prepare coaches of color or just minority, shall I say, minority coaches, um, uh, just all types of initiatives and just trying to put them in a better place to to provide better opportunities moving forward in the coaching. So that's what it looks like. And did I leave anything out? Because I know you can follow me up. And <laughs> no, no, no. You covered it well. I mean, I was just going to ask, what do you hope to accomplish? But I think within what you're talking about, it's so important to 
you know, we're aligned with other organizations to empower. It's not just about rising coaches. And that's what I love about what Daryl and Adam have led with the, uh, the alliance. And that is we're aligned with 10, 12 other organizations that are made up of coaches of different mm-hmm. demographics. Um, so it's not just about, um, as you said, not just about of color, but also the equity part of women and just giving people uh, that are in a minority position. We have a Jewish coaches organization we partner with. We have a um, Latino. Latino. We have, um, I'm drawing a blank. I got so many Black Coaches Association. Women of color. We have yeah. uh, Coaches for Change, who is a diverse group that just wants to create change. And it's a combination of Black, White, Hispanic, whoever. So, um, and there's and there's others, but it's, it's powerful in the fact that we're aligned with other groups to make change and not just trying to do it on our own. So I love, I love that you're a part of it because then I get to be teammates with you and uh, mm-hmm. throw a couple of lives and a couple of bounce passes and give me some more assists uh, nope. from the, from the record, from the record breaker herself. Uh, let's talk <laughs> about just personal now. Let's talk about 2020. What's one thing you want to leave behind? We're kind of wrapping up here. So one thing you want to leave behind 2020. What's one thing yeah. that you're that you're hoping? I'm gonna do two at once. What's one thing that you're hoping, or a mantra that you're looking at for 2021, or a theme, or a goal, or just something that you're hoping does happen in 2021? So leaving behind backwards, going forward, what are you looking forward to? Leaving behind fear and doubt. Amen. And moving into the new year with um, expanded possibilities. Just just being able to. Um, mentally step outside of my comfort zone to and, and to challenge myself to do more, to be more. Uh, I always <laughs> consider myself as uh, techno, technolo, uh, techno, technologically, geez, I couldn't even get that out, technologically challenged. And so now it's just about taking time um, to understand something or 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 just speaking to someone who can better explain things and um, just a lot of things. Like sometimes, you know, I want to put something together or do something and I just don't want to read the instructions. And so I think just being more patient and and learning more things like that. Um, Again, stepping outside of my comfort zone to push myself to grow. This was one of the things like being a part of this DI Alliance um, was pushing myself to do something completely different, something that I didn't feel comfortable doing. Right, um, right. So I look forward to doing more of that, just just growing who Kim Hampton is in ways outside of the things that I do well. I love that. And that goes all the way back to what you said, that transition of getting done playing and getting used to new things. And you talked about still being that transition. That's awesome of you to have that open heart and that growth mindset still some people have a growth mindset when it has to happen, but you're actually seeking it and being intentional to go get it. So I love it. 2021 is going to be a big year. Uh, before I ask you legacy question last, what's something that you hope to see even more when it comes to uh, the respect level or the the opportunity levels or just the uh, continuing on that women's empowerment kind of theme? What do you hope? for 2021 that you hope to see more of that maybe we're trending upward and you kind of hope we don't flatline or go back the other way. What's something 
that you would say if you had to sum it up in one word or even a phrase or whatever maybe that you hope to continue to see for, for on the women's side of uh, respect level and opportunities? Um, that would be consciousness, more consciousness, mm. more awareness. Mm. Um, waking up. Um, you know, in this whole, when you look at 2020, you could point out so many things that went wrong. You, the, the whole COVID-19 thing, um, you can point out all of the civil unrest and, you know, Black Lives Matter was, you know, the big slogan. And I, I truly believe that if Black Lives Matter, then we as Black people have to be more and do more. And I think that's about raising our consciousness, knowing that if you're going to school, you have to go to school and ball out in your classes, not worrying about so about wearing $10,000 worth of gear and then not learning anything. And then you get out of school and now who fund that? You're going to turn into a life of crime. I mean, it's, it's about, you know, understanding and waking up that black on black crime isn't, that's not okay. We have to be better when we talk about our health, I mean, COVID hit us harder than anyone because we probably have more diabetes, more high blood pressure, more all of these things. So that means being more conscious about what we put into our bodies, what we eat, being more conscious about the music we listen to, being more conscious about everything. So for that reason, I just said, if if Black lives truly matter, we have to be better and do better um, as, as African-American people. So for me, just moving forward, I just just more consciousness, more awareness awareness of ourselves, but just awareness in, you know, overall. That's good. That's good. I won't even follow that one up. That's good. Um, so yeah, we'll end that with legacy. If you had to say what you would want your legacy to be or people to perceive and know what you would want your legacy to be. And as I talk mm-hmm. about legacy, I got my two little ones coming in the room. So they may take over, they may take over the interview. I don't know. Speaking of, um, but what would you say mm-hmm. legacy wise? What would you say you would want to, to for people to know that you want your legacy. Um, it would be that my light shines so brightly that it helps others to do the same. That um, that I could say something or do something or write something or be something that would inspire people to be their best selves. I love it. I love it. I'm, I'm going to let my, get, my special guest say hello. You want to say hi? And introduce the baby. Hi, baby. Say hi. We're Matt. We got to change this one's diaper. You got the red and red. Janai, you want to say hi? Hi, baby. Say hi. Okay. Well, I love um, Kim Hampton. I'm such a fan. I appreciate your style and your grace and your respect and your humility, uh, your heart and how much fun you're able to have and uh, such a brilliant mind uh, as well, but never taking things too serious, but always having a feel for the room and considering everybody uh, and decisions that we make and that we talk about in meetings. And uh, I just have such a respect level and appreciation. So I'm excited to keep working with you. I'm excited to see the things 2021, you continue to grow and, uh, I wanted more people to see your light. So I'll let you have any last word you have and then let you roll into getting ready for your new year. Yeah, um, I think you've covered it all. I just, 
Um, and I appreciate you. Um, so, you know, I appreciate Daryl and Adam and all of you guys, uh, and your patience with me and helping me to grow. Um, I just hope that I can, uh, well, I'm not going to say that I'm going to speak into existence. There we go. There we go. I look forward to being a bright spot for the women who are a part of this alliance or the women who take part in this alliance. Um, I mean, everyone, but particularly the women. And I'm looking forward to creating initiatives and just really listening to what it is that they need. And, and for us as a team to collectively come up with with things to just help make this, this alliance um, all it can be. And just um, something that is, that is a, a bright spot for, for all of the coaches that want to take part in it. So I'm grateful for you. Like I said, all of you guys, and especially you, I can call you up or text you and say, Hey, can you give me this information? And you're right there. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you too. And thank you so very much. So I'm praying you and family are safe. And you have to have a and wonderful delivery and and everything. So, yeah, all of that good stuff. And I, I'll say this for not just the alliance and having two little girls and one on the way. Um, you are definitely a model, and you shine light for many others, not just your daughter and my daughters, but many other women. So, I hope that uh, this can spark some light and some other women that may listen to this or see this as well. So. Thanks so much again. Keep doing big things. Keep speaking into existence. And uh, 2021 is going to be one of the best ones yet. Yes, sir. All right. Thanks, Kim. Happy New Year, everybody. 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 Thank you, 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 everybody.